to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode. Before we get started, let's have a word of prayer so that the Lord will be with us during this podcast. So with that, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for life and health and all of the many blessings that you've given to us. Lord, I ask as we study your word, you be with us and lead and guide and direct us. Help us to be more like you every day and help us to prepare for that soon coming of yours in the clouds of glory. And Lord, I ask that you help our characters to continually to grow, to be more like you. Help us to help others see your loving kindness and goodness. Lord, thank you so much for sending your son down on the cross so that we might be saved and have victory in you and that we may live with you in heaven forever. Lord, we know that the Christian walk is not an easy one, but with you, all things are possible. Help us to go to you more and we ask all these things in your precious, wonderful, holy son's name. Amen. Okay, so today I wanted to do the podcast that I've been promising about health and why people think that it's going on right now and what actually is happening. I mean, is the devil down there with a pitchfork turning people over who didn't lead their best of lives? Or are they having one big party down there? Or what exactly is happening? Well, the answer can be found in the Bible. And the truth may surprise you. There is a lot of myths and stories out there about what is happening down there. But in all actuality, it's very simple. And the sad fact is that most people are deceived and they don't know the truth. They think that you have to work your way out of purgatory or you have to suffer for eternity and never get out of this hell that you're in after you die. Well, if you listen to some of the other podcasts that I had about what happens to you after you die, you already know where this is going. Our dead stay in the ground when they die. So if that is the case, which we proved from the Bible, then how is it that people think that there's a hell going on right now? Well, a lot of people get confused by some of these verses in the Bible, and we'll get into that further on. But first, here's the question that a lot of people ask, and it's how many souls are being punished in hell today? And the answer is found in 2 Peter 2.9. It says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Now, this is future tense because of the fact that it says to reserve the unjust onto the day of judgment to be punished. So they're not being punished right now. They're reserved for a day in the future to be punished at that time. So the next thing that people ask is when will that day of judgment be? Well, it says in Matthew 13, 40 through 42, as therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And in John 12:48 it says, He 
that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. This is when it's going to happen, when the unjust will receive their punishment. It'll happen in the last days, when the Lord shall come. And there will be many weeping and gnashing of teeth, people who had the opportunity to change their lives around, but didn't take that opportunity. When Jesus comes the second time, there is going to be the resurrection of the wicked. And then after that, they will all be put to death again. And then those that are saved will be brought up into heaven for a thousand years. And after the thousand years are over, we come back down to this earth. And that is when all of the wicked are raised for the second resurrection. And then the hellfire comes. And we'll get more into that in a little bit. But first, we have to ask the question, where are the unsaved right now who have already died? And the answer is found in John 5, 28 through 29. It says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And then it also says in Job chapter 21 verses 30 and verse 32 that the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction. Yet shall he be brought to the grave and shall remain in the tomb. So in these two verses we find the answer that the Bible is very specific that both the saved and the unsaved are dead and in their grave sleeping and waiting until the resurrection day. And we found out more about that when we talked about the state of the dead once again, that they are in their graves, dead and buried. And we know why there has to be death, because the end result of sin is death. Like Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And in John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So sin brings death. Like it says in James 1.15, it says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So when we sin, the end result is death. And the wages of sinning and not repenting is death that lasts forever. After the thousand years are over, there will be no more resurrections, then it'll be too late. Now is the day of repentance. Now is the time to get your life in order. Now is the time to get my life in order. As I've said before, there are things that I have to change in my life as well. I'm not perfect. And I don't want to never be able to see the face of my Redeemer and to be among those who have fought the good fight of faith. I want to fight a good fight of faith as well. So with that being said, what exactly does happen to the wicked in the hellfire? And the answer is found in Revelation 21.8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is basically saying, 
anybody who has ever sinned and done anything wrong and not repented will burn in that second death. And the wicked die in the second death and there's no more resurrection, as I said before, after that. And remember, it says that God alone has immortality in 1 Timothy 6.16. And when Adam and Eve were first driven out of the Garden of Eden, an angel was posted to guard the tree of life so that sinners would not eat of the tree and live forever in sin. And you can read about that in Genesis 3 verses 22 through 24. The teaching that sinners are going to be immortal in hell was originated by Satan because he wants you to believe that no matter what, you're going to have life everlasting, even if it's tormented. And it's completely untrue. It says that God prevented this when sin entered into the world at the beginning by guarding that tree of life. The devil will trap you in any numerous amount of lies, whether it's living forever after you die, whether it's living forever in hell, or whether he makes you believe that you are nothing, made from nothing, and will return to nothing, like evolution tries to teach. But that is not the case. Only God can give you immortal life, and that immortal life is only gained when you believe and love in the Lord. So when and how will the hellfire be kindled? This is answered in Matthew chapter 13, verse 40 through 42, which we already read earlier, so I won't repeat that again. But let's read Revelation 20, verse 9. It says, And they went up on the breadth of the earth, and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven, and devoured them. This takes me back to what I was saying earlier. After the thousand years is over, then the city comes down, lands on the Mount of Olives, and the dead that were wicked are raised, and they encompass the camp, trying to overtake it, but fire comes down from God out of heaven and devours all of them, and that includes Satan and his evil angels and all of the other wicked people who chose to follow Satan and they will die and never more come to harm us or to bother us ever again. And once they're dead, only their ashes remain. And that's when the Lord recreates the earth new and wipes away all tears from our eyes. And it will be as if they never were. So right here, we're told that it is the Lord who kindles the fire and devours the wicked and will rain down fire like in Sodom and Gomorrah, the same story because of the wickedness found in there he destroyed it with fire. How big will the fire be? Well, we covered this already. It's going to encompass the whole earth. But where exactly can we find that in the Bible? It it's found in 2 Peter 3, verse 10. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So right here is saying that the whole earth is going to be compassed about in fire, and will be so hot that the earth itself melts, and will burn up all of the wickedness. That's going to be some side to see and I definitely want to be on the side where I get to live through it not on the side where I'm dying because I didn't give up every evil sin that so easily besets me. I want to follow Christ not because I fear what is to come but I want to follow him because I love him and 
I want to be with him forever. And that's why you should follow him too. Not because you fear this hellfire or fear what is to come. No, you follow him because you love him. Because you know he loves you. And that he would do and has done everything for you so that you can be saved. We are left without any excuses. How much better it is to serve a loving, compassionate God who wants us to be forever rid of wickedness than it is to follow somebody who says, live for the moment and then that's all you get and then you die. And that one moment doesn't bring you true happiness. It brings you nothing but sadness. How long exactly are the wicked going to suffer in this fire? Well, it says in Revelation 22, 12, and behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. And then in Matthew 16, 27, it says, for the son of man shall come in the glory of his father with his angels and then he shall reward every man according to his works and then in Luke 12 47 through 48 it says and that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself neither did according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. So what these verses are saying is that they're going to be punished according to their deeds. The Bible doesn't give us an exact timeline of how long each person will burn. Here, especially in Luke 12 verses 47 and 48, we're told that it's going to be committed to how much they knew what they did with that truth and it just depends on what the sin was and what they knew was good and what was right and and then once their punishment has been over and they paid for their sins then they are turned to ashes and they will be no more will it eventually go out that is what people want to know sure you can say that it will go out but where's the proof and we can find that proof in the bible in isaiah 47:14 it says behold they shall be as stubble the fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. There shall not be a coal to warm it, nor fire to sit before it. And in Revelation 21 verses 1 and 4 it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So if all of the former things are passed away, doesn't that mean that there will not be anything to remind us of the former life? And that goes for the hellfire as well. You can't have the hellfire burning when you're in heaven and it's your front yard view and like, oh yeah, I remember these people. Like, that, God's not going to be that cruel. It's not going to happen. There's not going to be a coal to be warmed by, nor fire to sit before. That's the promise that God gives us, that they will all be done away and God will wipe away our tears. There will not be an eternal tormentor for us so that we can see that. Where do we get the part where it says that they'll turn to ashes? It's found in Malachi verses 1 and 3. It says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud 
yea, and all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. So right here we have our answers. Notice that it doesn't say it will be burning forever. No, it'll be burned up and there'll be ashes under our feet. The Bible is very clear. And once they're gone, they're gone. And then the new earth will be made. Nothing more will remain of these wicked people, neither their body nor the breath with which they breathe. As it says in Matthew 5 verse 30 and Matthew chapter 10 verse 28, and Ezekiel 18 verse 20. Go read those in your spare time and it says very clearly that both the soul and the body will be cast into hell and they will die the eternal death. Real people will enter there and they will be destroyed. Even the devil will be destroyed in the lake of fire and that is found in Revelation 20 verses 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And in Ezekiel 28, 18 through 19, it says, Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. One, the devil will be cast into the fire, Fire, and it will turn him into ashes. He will be no more, just like all of the other wicked, and him and his demons will not be able to torment us anymore, and they will be gone forever. No more sin. And that is why sin cannot be in us. We have to get rid of all that sin because no sin is going to enter into the gates of heaven. So as we can see, God's true purpose for the hellfire is to destroy the devils, his angels, and those not found in the book of life, and all of the wicked, which you can read about in Matthew 25 verse 41, Revelation 20 verse 15, and Psalms 37 verses 10 and 20. His purpose is to get rid of all sin left on the planet so that it is no more once and for all to blot it out. And the reason he didn't do that in the first place is so that the angels that chose the good side and the worlds that are unfallen and also us who are on this world can see that God was just and fair in his choice. That he didn't just snap Satan because then everybody would obey him out of fear. No, God didn't want that. He wanted us to choose him and to love him and to choose to do right because we see that he loves us and has our best interests at heart. He gives us the freedom of choice. What good would it be to serve God out of fear? That would just be the same as somebody doing something horrible to you and saying, okay, now you have to love me. That's not going to work. That's literally what the definition of Stockholm Syndrome is when unfortunately people get kidnapped and then they fall for their captors because of circumstances. No, that's not the kind of God that we serve. He doesn't want us to have Stockholm Syndrome. He wants us to love him because we see that he first loved us, that he gave his son to die on the cross for us, and that he's preparing a place for us so that we don't have to deal with these people who are sick 
and deranged and choose to do evil, horrible things in this world. That's not the kind of God that we serve. He gives us this opportunity now to change the way that we act and the way that we think, and we can come at it from two choices. We can look at it as a bunch of rules and regulations and like a boring life, and I have to do this, otherwise I'm going to die. That's no way to look at the Christian life. If you look at that, you might as well be in the world because the Christian life, although it isn't easy, it has its ups and downs, but it is a life worth living. Not because of all the glory that we'll receive in heaven, no. It's because we find true happiness, true love, and a love that lasts forever. If you think of it as nothing but rules and regulations, then it's no wonder why you are unhappy. Don't look at it as rules and regulations. Look at it as a safeguard to guard you against the enemy. The enemy likes to dress up this world and the pleasures of it in a beautiful package when all that you find inside is just rottenness and that's nothing I want at all. And one of these days the jail cell door is going to close and you can't escape the choice that you've made. Now is the time to get out of the jail cell when Jesus reaches his hand down to set the captors free. He wants to set us free. He has a better life in store for us. He has a home prepared for us so that we don't have to live in this world of sickness and darkness anymore. This is not a kind of life that I want to live. Does that mean that you get your way in everything because you're a Christian? No, that does not mean that. It's not a magic wand that you can just flicker and everything goes right. No, there's going to be some very hard moments. There's going to be temptations that lead you astray. It doesn't mean that you get everything you want in this life. Does that mean it's a bad thing? No. God knows what's best for your life. He knows when and how things should go. If something doesn't take place how you think it should or when you think it should, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It just means that he has better plans for you and it could be no or it could be wait a while not yet don't rush ahead of God God has amazing plans for your life all we have to do is surrender to him so that we're not weeping and gnashing in the end time like these wicked people the Lord has a beautiful place in mind like Isaiah 65 17 where it says he is creating new heavens and a new earth and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind and just like Revelation says that there will be no more weeping and gnashing like we read earlier sin will not rise again and the saddest choice you can make is the choice to choose evil and think that it's more fun and more glorious and more wonderful than the life that God has planned for you so why do people think that it is eternal when it talks about the fire? Unquenchable. It means that it's going to burn until every last person is burned, like we talked about before. And you can read about how Jeremiah 17, 27 says that Jerusalem was destroyed with unquenchable fire. And in 2 Chronicles 36, 19 through 21, the Bible says this fire burned the city to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah. And and left it desolate. So that city is not burning still to this day. So it doesn't mean that it will never be put out. It just means that it will go out until everything is destroyed. Which which brings us to the question, doesn't Matthew 25, 46 say that the wicked will receive everlasting punishment? Well, notice how it says that it's punishment, which means it's past tense. It's only one act. If it had used the word punishing, that would mean 
mean it was continuous. But punishment is past tense, which means that it is one act and that it will not last forever. Which brings us to the question of what does it mean when it says everlasting fire? Well, according to the Bible, it explains itself. So Sodom and Gomorrah, once again, were destroyed with everlasting or eternal fire. And it calls it that in Jude 1.7. But that fire turned them into ashes as a warning to those afterward who lived ungodly lives, which you can read about in 2 Peter 2.6. And those cities, once again, are not burning today. So the fire eventually went out after burning everything up. Likewise, everlasting fire will go out after it has turned the wicked to ashes, which we read about in Malachi 4.3. So the effects of the fire are everlasting, but they're not burning itself. So they turned all the wicked to ashes, and that's going to be it. It's an over, done. The choices that they made are going to stick with them, and that's everlasting consequences. It's meaning you cannot enjoy heaven with the saints and those that are redeemed. And Again, people you use the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, but as I have summarized before in a podcast, it wasn't literally talking about what was actually happening. It was a parable to teach a lesson. Parables mean a story, a fable to get the point across. So the, as we know, the dead are in their graves and cannot talk. What does it mean when it says forever? It means until it ends. Forever in the Bible doesn't necessarily mean forever. And a lot of times it means as long as as he lives or until death or sometimes it means like in Jonah 2 6 forever means three days and three nights and in some cases it means ten generations as in Deuteronomy 23 through 3 and in the case of until death it means exactly that for when the wicked will burn in the fire as long as they live or until they die when the punishment that they have done for their sins is over and their body turns to ash that will be forever that's the end of it. As we read and saw earlier in the Bible where it says that the punishment will be given according to the sins that they've done and the sins that they've known without repentance. And you can see verse after verse in the Bible how each one connects to the other. You can't just take one verse and say like, oh yeah, that's it. No, you need to read and dig deep and see how it all connects together. That the wicked will turn to ashes. That it isn't until after the judgment is over and after the thousand years. And how they will try to go against the city and how when the fire comes they will be destroyed and never come out anymore and we've seen this all connecting through the verses and I wanted to read one final quote in RH August 20th 1903 paragraph 19 it says the powers from beneath are working with intensity of effort soon will come the time when God will discern between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not soon will come the time of which John writes I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whoever was not found written in the book of
of life was cast into the lake of fire. These are very solemn words indeed. If we are not living up to the light that we know and also having that connection with God day by day and repenting of our sins, we will be thrown into the lake of fire. And it doesn't matter how many good deeds that you've done. Yes, good deeds are important. Being kind and loving to people is important. But if we don't have the love of Jesus in our heart and a personal relationship with him, those works mean nothing, which 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that very thing. Without love, we are nothing. We need to have all of these components in our life. It's not just a one thing that saves us. We have to have everything combining and only through a relationship and connection with the Lord, are we ever going to make it? We are not good enough on our own to do it. We don't have the power to do it on our own. Only Christ's goodness and righteousness can get us through the dark times. Now, if you're wondering how you can study this further, read Revelation chapter 20, the whole chapter, and that's where you find the thousand years, and that's where you find when the Lord comes down in fire and brimstone. Search it out. Study it out for yourself. There are so many more verses, so many more text so many more quotes that I could give you about it but hell is not going on right now your loved ones are not being tormented and they are not in heaven either they are dead and buried in the ground and if you want to know more about that please listen to the podcast about dead men tell no tales that is a popular saying and even they had it back in the 1700s the golden age of piracy as they called it and the pirates had the saying of dead men tell no tale and that's why they would kill the people to keep them silent so that their faces, their names wouldn't be revealed. They did this because they knew that the dead could not speak. And this is why I named it Dead Men Tell No Tales. Go and check that out. Go and do a study for yourself. And be assured that once you are dead, it is like a sleep. You are dead in the ground and it's like no time has passed. But make sure that your life is right with God now. Because if you are not doing what is good and what is right and giving your heart to the Lord, I'm sorry to say this, but you will not be raised to the resurrection of life. You will be raised to the resurrection of death, and that will be sad indeed. Is it scary? Yes, but does it have to be scary? No. Death is not something that can scare the Christian. Why? Because we have the hope of a better life. And like I said before, don't let fear control your life. Don't follow Christ because you're afraid of what is to come. No, follow Christ because you love him and you want to see as many souls in the kingdom. And that is why once you have learned this truth, you need to go and tell it to others because there are many people in this world who are deceived by the devil into thinking that their dead loved ones are in purgatory and they have to pay their way out. And they think that their loved ones are in hell or in heaven. And unfortunately, the devil has many people deceived into believing that. And this is just not the case. Death is like a sleep. Lazarus is sleeping, Jesus said. And the disciples were like, well, then he'll get better. And then Jesus very clearly said, Lazarus is dead. So death is like a sleep. Your loved ones are there waiting either to eternal 
life or eternal death. It's one or the other, but nothing is happening right now. And even the devil knows that his fate is waiting for him. And that's why he's working so hard on making sure that he gets as many people to come with him as he can, because he doesn't want to pay the penalty for their sins. He doesn't want anybody to be saved because he's malicious and evil. But we know the truth. We know what's out there. And we have something far better than the lies of the devil. We have the love and mercy and the kingdom of heaven to look forward to where we will be with our Redeemer forever. And I want to be with my Redeemer forever. This is the song that I thought went well with this, not because it necessarily talks about hell, but it talks about when we shall see Jesus and what it will be like when we follow the Lord. So with that being said, I wanted to sing, Oh, when shall I see Jesus? Oh, when shall I see Jesus and reign with him above and shall hear the trumpet sound in that morning and from the flowing fountain drink everlasting love when I hear that trumpet sound in that morning. All shall glory, for I shall mount above the skies when I hear the trumpet sound in that morning. Gird on the gospel armor of faith and hope and love, and you'll hear the trumpet sound in that morning. And when the combat and it he'll carry you above and you'll hear the trumpet sound in that morning all shall glory for i shall mount above the skies when i hear the trumpet sound in that morning our ears shall hear with transport the hosts of heaven sing and shall hear the trumpet sound in that morning our tongue shall chant the glories of our immortal king and shall hear the trumpet sound in that morning all shall glory for i shall mount above the skies when i hear the trumpet sound in that morning and i want to hear that trumpet sound that glorious morning when jesus comes and i want to do what is right and faithful so that I can be with him in heaven forever, don't you? So with that being said, keep this in mind, do your own study, share it with others, and remember what it says in Matthew 5:16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Prove all things from the Bible. And with that being said, let your light so shine that you are a star witness for the Lord.